With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. The return of Odubel Herrera edition of the show. Frank Close here along with Jeff Mosher and... Jeff, it seems the return of Odubel Herrera is probably the biggest story of the day, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think there's some other things going on with the club that are are very noteworthy as well. Uh, Obviously, the back end of the rotation and some other things going on with some slumping bats, but certainly that one uh, takes takes the precedence. Uh, It's not something I thought we were going to see happen, Frank. We knew going into the year that center field was – dicey right because we talked about all the different options I just didn't think it was going to be this bad but then that goes back to the whole there's always an unexpected you know flaw that every team has and um, center field had become that that egregious for the Phillies yeah it's it's amazing when you consider now I'm I was on the record saying before the season I did not think that Odubel Herrera stood a chance and the reason why is I thought you would have to have Adam Hastley fail Roman Quinn fail, Mickey Moniak fail, Scott Kingery fail. Well, guess what? Here we are. <laughs> yes, center field is this year's, uh, last year's bullpen. <laughs> now, it's amazing. Now, of course, Adam Hastley leaving the team for personal reasons really did change the landscape of everything. Now, still wish him well. Um, but you know, if he had been hitting 225 like he kind of was before he left the team, like, would that have? been enough I don't know you tend to be more patient right with first rounders you think but then again I thought they were going to be more patient with Moniac I know he looked lost in his first 10 or 11 at bats but then he hit the big home run so you thought maybe he would get more of an opportunity especially after hitting that home run who was that against that was against um was it San Francisco I believe so yes yeah blinking now but I, I thought he would be given a little bit more opportunity after that and then all of a sudden Herrera's up um, so I guess the whole patience with that first rounder did not have, I-, I thought they should have been more patient with Moniac. I thought he was pressing, you know, I thought the home run might've given him a spark, but, uh, obviously the, the Phillies team brass felt differently. Yeah. Actually, there was a report in the athletic today from Matt Gelb that actually said that the Phillies were ready to move sooner. And then once he hit that home run, they hit the pause button on sending Moniac back down and gave him a few more days to see what he had. And, uh, doesn't look like they 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 really wanted to give him that time. So let's talk about that for a second. So 10, 10 days or what was it? 10, day, 10 games he played Mickey Moniak. Mm-hmm. Like, like why, why would you bring him up if you were only going to give him 10 days? I don't know. And that's the big head scratcher to me. I mean, you had to have assumed when you called him up, right, Frank, that, you know, he wasn't playing minor league games. He was at an alternate site playing simulation style type games. I mean, they're games more so than simulated games, but they're not real. You would have to have, you should have assumed that throwing him in the mix here 
without as much minor league time as you would normally have at this time of the year was good. He would be behind the eight ball a little bit. And he clearly was, he was overmatched. He was, you know, striking out a ton, but you had to have assumed that that was going to happen. So, you know, I, I really, the mixed messaging here of, you know, exhausting all options before going to Odubel Herrera and then eventually going to Odubel Herrera uh, just 10 or 11 days after Moniac to me seems like a team that doesn't exactly know what it wants to do at that position. So I'm looking at the numbers now. So, okay. So it was actually nine games. So I was off by one off the top of my head. Moniac mm-hmm. batted 120, uh, walked three times, one home run, all three RBI from that home run. Uh, tw- so 25 at bats. I mean, that, that, that doesn't really seem like a decent enough sample size, does it? Certainly not. Not for a first rounder and not for someone who's coming off, like I was mentioning, not really having real at bats other than, spring training where he did play well. So I don't know. I mean, at this point I would have just said, why didn't you just call Herrera up instead first, if you were going to wind up doing it that quickly anyway. Yeah. You know, the Phillies seemed to say at the end of spring training that they wanted Moniak to really get the day-to-day at bats at AAA, And that, that seemed to be their motivation at the time. Cause let's face it. A lot of fans were saying, well, why not Moniak back in, the end of March when, when they were putting together a roster, right? So some fans wanted Mickey Moniak from the get-go, but um, could it could it be that the Phillies just kind of said, you know what, maybe our initial gut reaction to keep him down for a while more was the right one. And um, we don't want to, we don't want to see a guy like this have too long of, of a look and then fail for an extended period of time, because then that might hurt his development long-term. Yeah, I guess it could be, Frank. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, a veteran GM like Dave Dabrowski should have anticipated all sorts of scenarios like this before actually making the call. And I do wonder, did, did anybody win in this situation? Did the Phillies win by having him up for 10 days? Is this good for Mickey Moniak's development? We always talk about the stunting of a player's career or like with Scott Kingery, if you're putting him in different positions. Uh, and here with Moniak, if you're just only giving him 10 days, what does that do to his psyche? Um, does he feel like, you know, after hitting a home run and maybe er- thought he deserved more time and then getting the rug yanked out a day or two later, I just don't know how, how this was a positive, beneficial situation for anybody involved. But how about this? Uh, Other than Ro- the opponents of the Phillies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Roman Quinn, two hits. Yeah. Zach Wheeler. <laughs> Two hits. <laughs> well, like it sounded like an automated phone call there. That was but, pretty impressive. But this is like this is beyond comprehension, isn't it? Right. I mean, Roman Quinn never showed he was that bad. I mean, you always kind of you know. It seemed to me that before uh, the season, everybody was just saying, "Oh yeah, well he's going to get hurt in week two anyway." Well, uh, <laughs> thirty-one yeah. at bats in, he's got two hits. Uh, it's amazing. It's really, really bad. I mean, as bad as it could. I don't think it does he have an RBI. No, I don't think Roman Quinn has an RBI. He stole three so, bases and he got thrown out at third, uh, kind of in a bad time to run <laughs> in Colorado. When any single scores Roman Quinn from from second base, no problem. He tries to steal third and it's at a really bad right. time. But uh, yeah, I think he did that Zach on his Eflin own. Has an RBI. Zach Eflin has an RBI and Roman Quinn does not. So, um, yeah, two hits, man. I mean, who would have thought? Like I said, this is looking like last year's bullpen just manifested in this in center field. It's like whatever can go wrong will go wrong. 
And the good thing is it's happening early. So there's still an opportunity to fix this thing. We'll see if Odubo Herrera is next up or if he's just like the, um, the branded workman of the bunch. <laughs> he's just <laughs> as bad as, as the rest of them. Um, but the good news is at least that they have a chance to fix it via trade or some other, there's gotta be a way to improve center field at some point this year. So here's the, here's the, here's the thing. So what if, what if now that they're up to center fielder, number five, what if Odubel Herrera doesn't do it? I mean, already in his first game, he was over three with a strikeout, right? So yeah, if it's just more of the same, then what? Then you got to make a move. Frank, I mean, there's just, you know, and I'll ask you this, though, and you might, you'll probably be a good judge of this. Can the kid, uh, Nick Matone, is it Matone, Matan? I always Maton. put your name. Maton. Do you think he can play some center? Not that I'm trying to Scott Kingery him, but when Gene Segura <laughs> comes back, is there a shot that this kid can play a little center field? That and, that, uh, that is something that, yeah, that's something that I think people are kind of chit-chatting about, you know, uh, it's funny because I, you know, um, Maton really impressed me this spring. I, you know, I, I saw him play plenty. Uh, I, I was around enough, I think. And then I had seen him the year before enough to impress me. Um, I, in fact, I, I was really surprised that that he did not get more consideration for the bench job. I think because he hits left handed, he didn't get it. And that, that, that's kind of why they sent him, sent him back to the alternate site and why Ronald Torres, the righty, got the opportunity when Scott Kingery couldn't make the club. But um, but, you know, I swore I swore up and down that I saw Nick Maton play the outfield in, in the spring uh, games. It wasn't in the games, but I did see him take balls in the outfield uh, when the team was doing drills. So so that is something he has done. Uh, you know, the Phillies have in recent years. Now, let's, now think about this. Of, of all these center fielders we're talking about, Roman Quinn was a middle infielder. Scott Kingery was a middle infielder. Mm-hmm. Roman. So so Roman Quinn, Scott Kingery. And uh, Odubel Herrera, right? He was a middle infielder, right? The Phillies That's moved right. all three of them to center field. So um, I guess there's something about being able to play up the middle that you, that you, you know, the way you see the ball might, might make it good for center field. So it's and the range not, of the athleticism. You need to be a, a pretty good lateral mover to play the in middle infield and same thing with center. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the Phillies have a record of doing that with guys. They very well could try to make that, that move with Maton, but, but, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, is this just a, you know, rookie luck? Nobody knew how to throw to him. So he's going to get some extra pitches he might not get. You know, the people just think, oh, this guy belongs in the minor. You know, there's always a little bit of that, I think, uh, going on, too. You know, there is no book out on Maton yet. Um, Certainly no adjustments that that the opposition's making. So uh, at this point, and then he's going to have to make some adjustments against the pitching. So that I think that's a possibility. I, I, you know, I'll I still believe what I saw in the, in the spring, which is that that Maton could be a really useful uh, utility type player in the major leagues. I, I personally mm-hmm. don't project him as a starter, but you know, a lot of times people who have gotten the utility jobs have just taken the starting jobs and never, never given them back. So, uh, you know, getting this, getting this look now, I mean, I seem to really like his defense at both positions. Um, couldn't come up with that hard hit ball last night in the ninth inning. Uh, but uh I, I think he's wow, that ball smashed. Yeah. 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 That was really hard hit. I was wondering, I was wondering if Segura would have gotten it uh, last night, but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, really good defense. Uh, he's been hitting. I mean, you can't ask much more than that. You know, he's making contact and not striking out, which everybody seems to be doing at the moment. So uh, <laughs> right. definitely, uh, definitely a huge relief uh, to the Phillies. He's helped them uh, score some runs uh, in, in this time while they've been 
kind of kind of fighting for some. Right. Well, I definitely think though that, but at, at the end of the day, here if they really want to compete, and um, you know they're not. They're, listen, they're they're competing like everybody else. Um, a move would have to be made. You got to make. Now here's the here's the real question, right? So, right now, being April twenty seventh. <laughs> This is not usually the time that you're able to make a trade. How many teams are actually out of it? I mean, even if you're looking at some of the teams that were supposed to be bad, quote unquote, I mean, the, I mean, the Tigers still aren't great, but they've been doing better than you would expect. The, the Orioles have been winning some games. They were the team that knocked the uh, athletics off of their 13 game win streak streak. So who's available out there? I mean, I, I really went through a lot of the rosters, even the Rockies a bad team who won the series against the Phillies. They don't really have an extra center fielder laying around. I don't think they even have one themselves. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I don't know where they're going to get somebody in trade. I mean, this is that, this is the, this is the hard thing right now. And so, so let's talk about that for a second. So there, there's, there's a, certainly a number of holes. So let's go through these one at a time, because for now, the Phillies have to come up with internal solutions. And it looks like when we, we talk about the back end of the starting rotation, they're already looking for an internal solution. So Vince Velasquez came up, gave them one start, gave them four innings, kind of what Vince Velasquez starts used to be. But uh, but the Phillies kind of reversed course on something, you know, that they had said in the spring in spring training. Well, Spencer Howard, we're going to use him as a reliever this year. Uh, we want to limit his innings, given his health from last year. But guess what? When they optioned him yesterday, they said, you know, we're going to stretch him out to be a starter. Yeah, not surprising that, that things have changed. I think even we talked about that on our pod going into the year that the it seemed like they wanted to give him that long man role to be able to have him doing some innings. You know, it's not just pitching two-thirds of an inning or getting one guy out so that they could stretch him out more easier if he were needed to take over the fourth or fifth spot. And it's clear they need somebody to take over the fourth or fifth spot. Um, but the thing is and maybe I'm not being fair to the kid because it's not a long resume here, but I haven't seen a whole lot yet, even when he came in the other night, that makes me think he's going to hold that fourth spot down any better than Chase Anderson was. And, and do you think that that mop-up kind of appearance was, I don't, I don't know, it seemed like it was a mop-up appearance almost, right, for, for Howard coming in the other day? Yeah, but the game was still in reach when he came in, if I'm not mistaken. It was at least 7-2. I, rem- I can't remember what it was. It was it was just early. Yeah, because the game had opened up in that one inning. I mean, you, you just want, what I would have liked to have seen him do is hold, hold the fourth down, because in Colorado, you can always get yourself back into a game. So I wanted to see him supply a tourniquet. Actually, Frank, I just wanted to see him have good stuff. You know, sometimes mm. you can have really good stuff in Colorado and still get hit. I didn't feel like he had anything flashy. I didn't see the twelve six curve. I just, he just looked like a guy at that on that day. Yeah, I, I, I gotta wonder if that was because of the the, the spot he was put in. I just, yeah, I'm yeah, sure the motivation was fair. Yeah, you know, he's he's kind of he he kind of was brought up just because of the COVID protocols, and then he was like, okay, well now I'm a mop up man. Like I mean, I, I talk about messing with somebody's progress by not not putting them in a role. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if when they called him up, they said to him like, Hey, you're going to be our mop up guy. Uh, so I, I um, know, but when you're, you're, you're a young kid, um, you know, I, I don't want to always put the onus on the organization. You're a young kid and you're going to get an opportunity. 
you got to find that opportunity wherever you get it and then excel. Mm. And, you know, you can't take that defeatist attitude out on the mound. This is not really what I'm supposed to be doing. You got to go get outs and show your stuff. Excuse me, show your stuff. And I just haven't seen it yet with him. So uh, I'm already skeptical of, of the Scott Kingery. I mean, of the, of the Matt Clintac era's ability to develop a, a pitcher. Hey, the Matt Clintac era is essentially the Scott Kingery era, right? So, so maybe, maybe they go hand in hand. So, you know, taking a look at, at somebody like Spencer Howard, you know, the top prospect in the system, is he really going to be uh, what a lot of people thought he would be? Definitely was somebody that was really kind of trumped up by the likes of JT Real Muto, seen as uh, someone always praising his stuff. JT Real Muto has always said he was, he has front of the rotation type stuff. And, uh, but, you know, I think that they, they need to finally just make a commitment to, to, to him one way or the other and kind of roll with it. Now, maybe the maybe the minor league season, by the way, just in general, this triple A season starting is going to help a lot because you're going to see yes. guys playing every day. Uh, that If you look at the Iron Peak schedule, actually, all of the minor leagues are all off on Monday and they play Tuesday through Sunday. So they're going to they're going to play these games every day. You're going to see regular at bats. Pitchers like Adonis Medina and Spencer Howard, they're going to take turns in a rotation and be, be hopefully ready to come up when you need somebody. I, that's another thing, too. Besides Spencer Howard, their other top prospect uh, who, who once was ahead of Howard on the list was Adonis Medina. And you haven't really seen any type of regularity out of him either. So, uh, so Jeff, do you think just getting these people into AAA season and getting them in, in playing day-to-day shape is going to make a difference? I hope so, Frank. I mean, I definitely need some people who are stretched out, who can perform at the major league level if called on. And, I, and you know, every single team is facing this, so I don't want to just make it a Phillies thing. But I do feel like, you know, teams that are out there right now that are competing, you know, like the Phillies, you, they're not great, they're not bad, they're in the mix, you know. Um, when they go to their fourth and fifth starter, right, they're, they're, what they say is, because a lot of teams don't have great fourth and fifth starters, what they're saying to themselves is, I hope this guy can give me like five or six and keep me competitive before I have to go to my bullpen. I, you know, just, they're not expecting to win all the time. They're just looking for a guy to give them five or six and, and keep them in the game. That, I, I hate to say it, but that's what Cole Irvin has been doing for the Oakland A's during their, their win streak. He's been able to give them some decent innings with the Phillies. their mindset has to be, can I get more than four serviceable innings out of Chase Anderson, whoever, and they can't, they cannot get into the fifth inning with these guys. And that's been a strain on the bullpen, which is already losing guys. So their, their question compared to other teams that they're competing against questions a little bit different. And by the way, how about uh, two former guys in their Phillies rotation that they kind of passed on Cole Irvin and Nick Pavetta, they're doing better than Moore and uh, and Anderson. If they kept both of them, I'm not. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you should have gone on with the Pavetta thing forever. But uh, but Irvin though, he didn't even get a shot last year to, to start a game. Even though they seemed like they 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 didn't like what they saw in 2019 and said, okay, we've seen enough. So uh, I was watching uh, his game the other day. That he was on. I think that they had MLB Network was playing the Oakland game and he was pitching. And I don't know what it was, but he just looked like he had a little bit more confidence and more presence about him than when he was with the Phillies. And, you know, I don't know if the change of scenery is doing him better uh, or the beard that he grew or whatever is going on. (laughs) 
but like he looked like a lefty with a little bit of poison moxie. And I think his ERA is like three eight or something like that. Yeah, Very which is reasonable. fine for yeah. fine for somebody in that. Same with Nick Pavetta. He's got a high three ERA and he's he's getting through five innings. You know, I mean, uh, both of those would have been better than than Moore and, and Anderson right now. So so really a. Uh, <laughs> at a time when you really were so desperate for starters, I, I, I'm just kind of surprised the Phillies soured on Irvin so quickly. I mean, especially, I mean, he, he could have still been stashed at AAA right now, but you know, I mean, they, they were under no obligation to cut him. I guess they felt other people were ahead of him in the uh, organization, but, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you know, you need to win some games. Now um, one thing that we're going to see uh, finally pitching again at the alternate site is Ranger Suarez. Uh, hopefully he's a little wild card that can kind of help with, with, with some of that down the line. So uh, you'll wait I and hope. see what happens with him uh, as he finally gets a turn in the rotation. He will be stretched out as a starter for as well. So you're talking about, you'll have Spencer Howard, Adonis Medina, Ranger Suarez, all in the rotation at AAA. Maybe one of them somewhere down the line can help the Phillies. But so let's face it. We, you know, we already saw with the, uh, this, this, these seven inning double headers, if Vince Velasquez takes a start, then you're you're burning a spot in your bullpen for every day up until that start. So that's that's a little right. bit of a problem. You really need your 26 man to come up out of the minor leagues and make that start. Otherwise, you're messing up your bullpen the whole time. So uh, be uh, be nice to see the Phillies have some depth in their regard, and it'll feel like depth if they're actually pitching. I think so. Now let's talk about one more thing here. So another mm-hmm. reason the Phillies seem to be I don't want to say panicking, but it seemed like Monday marked a time where they, they they're besides the roster moves they started to, to say all right we, we need we need to do something here we need we need to take advantage of the fact that the atlanta braves aren't doing so hot and that the new york mets really aren't sep- they're in first place but they're not really separating themselves so they they started brad miller and left in place of andrew mccutcheon and so mccutcheon of course struggling hitting around 150 for a lot of the season but uh isn't matt Joyce supposed to be the left-handed uh, backup outfielder. Is this is this a sign of panic that they're going to go with Miller? That's a good question. I was surprised too. I wonder if they like him defensively more than Matt Joyce. I was trying to figure out what the I honestly doubt that, there. but yeah, I don't think so either. I was just trying to nitpick and see if there was something I was mm. missing. Um, I thought Matt Joyce was a really nice addition for a guy who's been in the league for as long as he had. He, I remember we were talking about it. He's got more career home runs than I thought. I mean, I forget what the number was, but it was pretty good. I mean, he's obviously been a, a good veteran who's played for a bunch of teams, good left-handed at bat, who who kind of like, I don't want to compare him to Jay Bruce because Bruce had more power, but when you, you felt like you had a, 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 a th- another starting outfielder instead of a quote-unquote bench or fourth outfielder, you thought you had a guy who could play like a lot of games if need be and be productive. And Brad Miller, I only look at as kind of a utility pinch hitting type pinch hitter type so i don't know what went into that decision making and if we call it panic i under i don't even know what they're what what would they be panicking about with matt joyce well i think they're panicking in general about the offense i mean i think i think brad miller is just the best the best bat so you you put him in left and he might have been at second base if nick maton wasn't hitting you know so maybe that was it that just that the maton is uh um, kind of temporarily grab the job and the Phillies want to see what he does every day. So Miller will get his at bats out there, but, but definitely a, uh, definitely a, a concern. I would say if, if McCutcheon now, here's the thing. So you just mentioned Jay, Jay Bruce, right? 
Mm-hmm. Jay Bruce and Andrew McCutcheon were drafted back to back in the draft that they were drafted in. I forget what year that was. 2006, five, 2005, I think right. maybe. So right. the two of them are the same age, basically. Jay Bruce retired. You know, are, are we, are we, and this is a tough question to ask because he's, I can tell you, Andrew McCutcheon was one of my favorite players for years. Like in terms of players playing somewhere else in MLB, I loved going to Pittsburgh and watching Andrew McCutcheon back in the day uh, during those. Yep. Pirates teams that were winning 97, 98 games, you know, but um, is he at the end or is this just a slump? Like, what do you do with Andrew McCutcheon in left field? Yeah. I mean, go back to when they signed him to a three-year deal. Um, It was almost like, I remember thinking, and I'm I'm sure we talked about it, even though we weren't doing the pot at the time, how that, that contract was an overpayment because it really needed a guy like Andrew McCutcheon and that because McCutcheon still had something left in the tank and probably could play. And he did that first year. Then he had the ACL. Um, but now I, I do remember thinking, man, year three of that three year deal could be really sketchy, especially if they're asking him to be a major part of the offense by then. And he's your leadoff hitter. Um, they haven't really found a better leadoff option at this point. And now you're seeing year three and it's fair to set wonder I mean, especially with Jay Bruce retiring, right? If, and, and Bruce didn't just retire because he felt like he was done, like, like because he was old or bored. He said, I don't feel like my performance is what it can be anymore to be at a major league level. And so you wonder if Andrew McCutcheon has the, the same type of feel. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he snapped back into it and improved. I think the numbers suggest he'll be better than what he's doing now. But you do wonder if, if the end of the road comes very quickly and it does become a major, major drop off, and you're just not going to see an effective batter this year from him. Or is, or is this the type of situation where you kind of need to use some of your lefties at times against right-handed? Well, let's face it, you face right-handed pitching most of the time. So, mm-hmm. do you do you give Miller and Joyce some starts against the the righties, and then maybe you look for a uh, starting outfielder come the trade deadline? Yeah, it would be nice if you can find an outfielder with versatility to be able to play center, center left, right. Um, I mean, center left, correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, they, they obviously could have two holes instead of one there. Um, it would also be nice if they had somebody down on the farm that they could pull up and say, hey, this is a good outfielder. I mean, that's what Moniac is supposed to be, and we'll see. Maybe in a month or two, Frank, he gets his bat swinging well and they're ready to bring him back up. I don't want to panic too much about that spot, but um, it's going to be pretty dicey here. And by the way, I feel like Andrew McCutcheon, like if, if other teams had the option to bring him in as a bench bat and a veteran leader, they would, they would love that. So, I mean, maybe that's the type of role Andrew McCutcheon needs to be at, at this point in his career. Um, yeah. Phillies, Phillies I mean, need a, he said he the Phillies need a right-handed it. pinch hitter. So, uh, you know, right. is that something that you have to seriously consider? I mean, do you remember the home run he hit against um, – uh, was it in the Atlanta series? I don't, he, I mean, he ripped the ball into, uh, you know, close to the second deck. I mean, he, I felt like the swing was there. He may just be in a funk, right? It may just be, I mean, um, he's not the only one. He's just the easiest one to target because of the age and say, is there steep decline here? But there's a couple of guys who are not really carrying their weight um, from a batting standpoint. And so you wonder if it's just the funk that they're in or, and he'll snap out of it, or if it really is the end. Well, that will have to play out a little bit more. I mean, definitely a vet like Andrew McCutcheon, they're going to give him plenty of opportunity to to come out of that. But I think when they when they really need a win, like they really needed a win last night with Zach Wheeler on the mound and facing uh, Adam Wainwright, 
They, uh, how about that? When's the, you know, you got this close to two complete games in the same game. You know, that when's, when's the last time that happened? Uh, I mean, when's the last time that, and then a guy who's as old as Adam Wainwright is, was even allowed to pitch <laughs> that late into a game. I, and here's the thing I'm having trouble. Like was that, did Adam Wainwright have great stuff or were the Phillies just not hitting them? I mean, they, the Phillies were talking like he had great stuff and it did look like he did. Wainwright's been a very, very, very good pitcher. Uh, for his career, but he's also at this stage of his career, you'll see some, some outings where he gets rocked. I mean, I think the Phillies rocked him last year uh, once, if I can remember correctly, but you know, I, I was, I was thinking that and I was, I made, I made a point last night of looking at his velocity and he was throwing uh-huh. around 90. So, I mean, I don't, you know, definitely it was uh, certainly Reese Hoskins caught up to two of his fastballs. Right. So, yes. uh, you know, I think that there's uh you know, I th- he's probably got a little left. In it. You know, the Cardinals, you know, they're, they're, they're probably not too different than the Phillies right now. And and for them bringing uh, Yadier Molina back and Adam Wainwright back, it was like one of those things where like, like they couldn't retire on other teams. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's crazy that these two guys are, st- I mean, Molina is the cleanup hitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 that's an indictment of the rest of the lineup, I think. It is, it is. Because Goldschmidt and Arnado are not aren't hitting as, as well as they are, but, I mean, Wainwright, it's, this is 2021. So it's, it's what, 17 years to when he froze Carlos Beltran with a nasty curve in, in game six of the NLCS, right? I mean, that's a wow. long freaking time ago. By the <laughs> way, here's they a remember little, it like it was yesterday. <laughs> here's a little trivia that's only slightly related to, to uh, uh, the Phillies. But uh, do you remember the trade that they got Adam Wainwright and who they traded to get him? Phillies, I mean, the, the Cardinals. Cardinals traded this player to the Atlanta Braves to get Adam Wainwright. Yeah. This will tell you how long ago it's been. Oh, my God. The Cardinals trading a player to the Braves. Man, I cannot. I feel like it was a player who was good and then kind of went through a precipitous drop-off after he went to the Braves, but I could be wrong. Who is it? J.D. Drew. Oh my God! Of course. <laughs> how about this? How about that trade? Right? You know. So they they actually. So here's the here's the trade: Jason Marquis and Adam Wainwright to the Cardinals with reliever Ray King, and then oh JD Drew and Eli Marrero went to Atlanta. So that that was that was two thousand three. Wow. And then, two, yeah, three years later, he's he's going to the World Series. After uh, you remember that? I remember where I was watching that. Cardinals Mets game I think it was game uh, it was a game seven of the NLCS where Beltran came up with uh I think the tying and the game winning run were on base and he threw him a two strike hook man that 12-6 that Beltran just he couldn't do anything with it didn't even swing the bat game over Cardinals go to the World Series it's just as amazing so the JD Drew went to that team that had Gary Sheffield active on a major league roster Javi Javi yeah, Lopez how about that? like like it, it that seems like another like world away 18 years ago almost since that trade and then Adam Wainwright is still around pitching which is which is That's just amazing un, unbelievable in today's game that somebody has that type of uh, longevity all right well one more thing yeah. i want to talk about before we break for today and um you know, the Phillies bullpen, you know, they've, they've, they've kind of gotten roughed up a little bit. I, I, I think it's a combination of the, the COVID protocols and Archie Bradley getting injured already. Uh, this, this, I, it almost feels like Joe Girardi doesn't know what buttons to push right now. Yeah. You know, I feel for him. I mean, it's, it's not easy. You got no Archie Bradley, no Alvarado. Um, 
you know, he, the other day I thought he could have gone to Brogdon and he didn't. And I was surprised by that. I forget uh, which specific game it was against, but uh, so I thought that that was not maybe his best decision. Uh, and, and you do, you had to assume at some point that uh, Coonrod was going to get hit because he had been so well. I mean, the law of averages catches up with you and he did, he got, he came in and got hit in the game, but you know, when you don't have those, those guys, Alvarado and, and Bradley, that was supposed to be your two biggest bullpen acquisitions of the off season. So, and it puts a whole lot more strain now on Neris to be uh, an airtight closer. And you know me, I'm always waiting for the yep. shoe to shoot to drop <laughs> with him, but almost did the other night almost, but. Well, last last night, of course, first thing I did was was tweet you when uh, the well publicly for everybody to see tweet you when when Neris was entering in the game. But uh, but also to Let's Brogdon, unfortunately, and I, and I kind of felt for Joe Girardi there. Brogdon gives up a three run home run. He tries to still eke out the inning with Brogdon because he doesn't really right. know who else he's going to go to. And Brogdon gives up a second three run home run in the inning. I, I hated to see that because, you know, I kind of yeah. wanted to see him. um kind of overcome that home run and, and just, you know, close out the inning. And then, you know, there's the Phillies are still in the game, but that, that, that game, unfortunately got way out of reach, way too fast. Very, right. very, uh, very, I would say disappointing to see, but uh, you know, the old, if you're a bullpen at full strength, that doesn't happen. Right. Cause that would have been, that would have been Archie Bradley's inning anyway. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then that, that bumps him back earlier. So it's one of those things where there's a domino effect when you're losing, so many players uh, like, like, like they are. And um, at least you got Alvarado back. You actually have a lefty towards the back. Uh, Jojo Romero has been okay. Uh, you know, he's had some. Yeah. I thought he'd be a little better. Yeah. So, so maybe, again, yeah. again, no work, no minor league games for him to work in. He was at, when he was at the alternate site, you're just not getting the same type of, of competition. Right. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. Yeah. You are playing some games, but they're not, they, I don't know. It's, 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 it's odd. I was really hoping to get up there, but it seems like every time they had a game, I was either doing some PA work for, for the softball team I do, or, or, or I'm in the mm. Phillies press box. It's just the timing didn't really work out. So I never got to go and see what it was like, but they're it, it, definitely a different dynamic. I would, <laughs> from what I could tell at those alternate site games, and they're not even really necessarily reporting the stats, which is really kind of odd. I thought they would have been giving us more updates about you know batting averages up there eras mm-hmm. they're not really seeming to post any of that stuff in those in those games they're just kind of treating them like a a basic scrimmage and that's about it so right so very very interesting uh to uh to to see what will happen once you finally have a minor league season and hopefully the phillies get um Philly Phillies will get Bradley back soon. He seems to be on the mend. And uh, by the way, Matt Moore is not making the next start. Uh, we are going to see one more Vince Velasquez start. I don't know if that's just a you know temporary thing while Moore gets his feet back under him. But I will say this in closing: I thought the way that Moore is pitched, he comes out pretty strong and then trails off. You know, maybe that's the making of a good bullpen arm. What do you yes, think? Yes, I have the same exact thought. Same exact thought that maybe what we're seeing is Matt Moore is emerging unwillingly into a really decent uh, middle relief guy. Absolutely. So time, time will tell. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. The Phillies are looking like they're trying to get every last little thing out of everybody. These couple games really would be nice to win a series on the road against the Cardinals. So it's three more games left, right? Somehow they missed, they missed Jack Flaherty, their best starter. So maybe the Phillies have a shot here, uh, but we will see Zach Eflin on the mound tonight. And then you get to uh, no man's land, right? For the, for, the, for the rest of the game. So Zach Eflin versus Carlos Martinez. Phillies beat him up 
Vince Velasquez starts on Wednesday and then Thursday you have Aaron Nola to close it out. So hopefully Aaron Nola on Thursday can, can, can be that second win. Hopefully between Eflin and Velasquez, the Phillies can uh, get a third win the series. That would be nice. They need to get back on track. Well, this week there is plenty to talk about, Jeff. I'm sure there'll be a lot more storylines coming in the coming weeks, but it was great talking some baseball with you. For Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, this has been the Powder Blue Podcast. We'll catch you next time.